calling all beans, y'all. Let's get it. I'm your host, DJ, along with the co-creator of this joint, who's looking better every week, much to my chagrin. Put your hands together for money, Nathan. What's up, everybody? How's it going? <laughs> I had to do the old school intro, you know, kind of a, a, a flashback to the past. Did you like that? Love it. Love yeah. it. That's a, it's a great intro. It'll never not be cool. Mm -hmm. And now let's say hello to somebody that a lot more people in NYC fin to get to know. Because she's going to be up there with Priscilla in an event we're going to talk about here in a few minutes when we introduce a friend of ours. But party people put those hands together for a study of UAPs, the host of Deb's Data Dojo, Deb! Hello. Hi, everybody. What's up, Deb? Oh, today is, uh, was a Bigfoot day. Wow. <laughs> oh, no, man. Hmm. Uh-oh. I'm so glad that we're having on this next guest. So, uh... You know, without further ado, let's get into it. This young lady right here is a, a researcher. She's a writer. She's a speaker. She's a MUFON field investigator. She is a source. And as I said at the opener, she is a legit experiencer in several different realms of the phenomenon. She's a damn walking encyclopedia for the business. And she's the friend of our, our homegirl in the chat, Julie Farrell, everybody shout out to Julie. But up, right Julie? now, yeah, but the woman of the hour, put your hands together for Linda Thompson. Can I get an amen up in Virginia? Thank you. <laughs> People from the CIA want to talk to Linda. And the FBI come to praise his name. Ha! That's... Uh, Linda, have you ever had an intro like that before? I just want to. No. This is just your normal podcast intro. It's nothing. Absolutely. That's the standard. different. Mm -hmm. uh, Linda, it used to welcome. scare me. <laughs> me too, but I'm used to it now. So. You mean you've watched our show? You've consumed yes. this product? Oh my. Nathan, just give I know. me. I know. Thank you so much. <laughs> he needs a moment. Just give him a second. Yeah, he'll be all right. <laughs> I can't believe it. Uh, Linda Legend. And so, okay, you guys are going to say, you already had on a Linda Legend. Yes, but it's L-I-N-D-A from New York. It's uh, Linda Zimmerman. But this is L-Y to the N to the D to the A. Mm -hmm. Legend, Linda Thompson. So um, it's a pleasure to have you on, ma'am. Um, it was really surreal driving home from work one day when uh, you took my call and we got to speak about you and your experience. And, and it's kind of one of those moments where I'm in traffic and I'm like, I'm talking Linda Thompson. <laughs> you know, it was like one of those deals. So uh, thank you for doing that. I really appreciate it. Sure. <laughs> um, so in a minute, we're going to have your friend on when he jumps in this joint, your fellow experiencer, who I'm sure you're well acquainted with and uh, 
with whom we have the, the utmost regard on this show because only one of the three of us on the show has had any experiences uh, at all. So, yeah, uh, it's so cool when we get to speak with one of you. But let me let me let Nathan uh, take it away, brother. Yeah, Linda, really great to have you with us. Uh, I know you've been a part of this community for quite a long time, longer than really we've been a part of it. And uh, I appreciate so much what you're bringing to the table with your conversation and, and your willingness to engage and your experience, you know, the depth of experience that you have. Um, I'm just kind of curious, you know, as you kind of survey what's going on uh, in the community, and that's that's a word we like to throw around too, that I'm going to use that very loosely, community, because uh, there are lots of different kinds of communities, and I don't know how strong of a community this one actually is. But as you take <laughs> note of what's happening, you know, how do you feel things are going? Do you feel like uh, we're in a good spot? Do you feel like uh, things are still a little bit rocky? Uh, what what kind of animates you when you when you engage in the in the social media spaces? Well, the social media spaces have a lot of issues right now, as you as you know. Um, Just a few. I would say that there's probably more positive things going on behind the scenes than on social media. Um, social media is a real battlefront, and it's not just people that can't get along a lot of it has an agenda behind it and so that stirs it up and you know you kind of have to learn who to just listen to and who to shut off you know but yeah so it's yeah. not what it appears. <laughs> well, that, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, we all, we all kind of learn that lesson over time. We, we find our tribe, if you will. And we, I, I encourage folks to follow those people that they resonate with and, um, and, you know, kind of turn down the volume on those, which you don't, and that's okay. That's your right to do that. Uh, and I think people mm -hmm. should, should do that uh, judiciously. One person who I, uh, try to listen to every once in a while, sometimes I turn them down quite a lot is our good friend, Jay Christopher King. Uh, I think he's an amazing person who I had the real pleasure of uh, spending some quality time with. Jay, I feel like we, he and I walked, must have been like 12 miles one day in New York together, and that's not an exaggeration. Um, but Jay King is a friend of mine, and uh, we're excited to have him on to talk a little bit about the upcoming uh, conference that's happening on Saturday. And so uh, just if I could kind of intro that just really quickly, and then we'll bring him on. We've got a an amazing conference popping up here. It's uh, an inquiry into anomalous experiences and the phenomenon. We won't make that an acronym because there'd be no way to pronounce it, but it's a really exciting uh, event that's coming up with some great speakers. Um, uh, Darren Exo Academian is a friend of mine, obviously the headliner, Dr. Gary Nolan, Mitch Horowitz, uh, you know, author, amazing thinker, uh, Tim Grieve Carlson and Dr. Sean Esborn Hargens. I mean, we've got, it's going to, there's a lot of head heady content coming folks way. I don't think people realize how dense this is going to be. Uh, so when you're watching uh, in person or virtually, you know, you're going to want to have some caffeinated beverage at hand, probably just to, to get, get through it all, but it's going to be really stimulating uh, conversation. Not only that, but I think, and I want to get Jay's thoughts on this. It's an opportunity for us to really connect uh, with, with other people that we, you know, have been interacting with for so long. And I know so many people who are going in person that know each other virtually, but this will be the first time they can kind of be together in person. So there's gonna be a lot of cool things coming out of this, but that's enough for me talking about it. Let's hear from one of the, the headliners and the, and the organizers of the events. So Jay, I'm bringing you on. 
Can How's I get an amen for Jay Christopher King? There he is. Thanks. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, fellas. And thank you, Deb. And thank you, Linda. It's great to see you, Linda. Um, thank you. I, I love your outfit, by the way. Those are great colors. Thank you. Um, oh, yeah, sorry. It's... You're talking to Linda. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you too, DJ. You too. Always. Just beautiful. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, it's uh, yeah, it's absolutely wonderful to this wonderful call. Um, indeed, uh oh, we got some choppy audio happening. Yeah, we got some craziness going down here. All right, uh oh, wait, Jay, back. yep, he's testing, back. Testing one, two, three. Can you re re replay that sentence, please? Am I back? Yes, sir. Yep. Okay, cool. Oh, I was just saying that the last time that I saw you guys in person was here in New York City for um, one of our New York City UFO supper clubs, and it was so fun. Uh, we had we had wonderful Korean food, and yeah, i I tried to um, i i I tried to walk Nathan to death over the course of a day, but he was resilient. Um, he failed, and he was he was much more fit than I thought he was, and <laughs> we. Um, the reality is that we kind of got lost, even though I've lived here for like the better part of 22 <laughs> years, we got lost in Central Park on the way to Cleopatra's Needle. I'm not going to blame like the Egyptian civilization, Egyptian culture or Cleopatra herself or whoever stole that amazing, itself. Right. that amazing, amazing uh, obelisk from Egypt to New York City. But uh, it was very hard to find given how tall it is. It was uh, yeah. for a little bit surprisingly. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Where's the Washington yeah. Monument? I don't see it. <laughs> yeah. It was a little bit embarrassing, yeah. and I can only admit it now. Uh, there's some hubris involved, but um, but the company anyway, was great. The company was great. That's right. We went to the we went to the Met. It was a proper mandate. It was a proper mm -hmm. mandate, mm -hmm. and uh, <laughs> I loved it. I'm proud of that. That's right. This this all um, sounds really but, cool because I thought Jay was going to say, you know, I, I met you guys in New York City. I've been regretting it ever since. It's, those are the words I was expecting to hear and lose my number. So I'm really happy no. to hear that it wasn't that. That's that's mm -hmm. really, that's a relief for me all too. Beings, yeah. We're really gratified about that. That's mm -hmm. great. <laughs> so Jay, how you feeling coming yeah. in this weekend? Right? Uh, what's uh, what's the mood like at uh, at Jay King's house? Oh, um, well, you've been here. Um, it's I'm. It's good. the The state of the situation is good. I'm like highly caffeinated. Um, it's kind of the. It's not really the seventh inning stretch. We're kind of like towards the back of the ninth in anticipation of Saturday, and so there are, there are a lot of kind of T's to cross and dot and dots on the eyes. But um, I'm I'm really optimistic and I'm really psyched about um, all the positive feedback that we've been receiving. And, you know, Deb's going to be out there. And I, I saw online that that Linda's going to be joining us virtually, which is awesome. I've known Linda for years and uh, love Linda and I've spent a lot of time with Linda. And it's great that she's going to be joining us as well. And I know that Nathan's going to be joining us. DJ, if you can join us as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm, feel I've free. Got tickets on day one baby oh that's right okay cool well then look at this it's 100 percent attendance yeah. that's great and as far um, as the caffeine are you doing intravenous at this point or are you still doing oral caffeine uh, pretty much well here's the thing is that um 
I was recently in Italy. We had saved up for a few years. Um, my partner's elderly mother had has never been to Europe. And so um, we were kind of planning it for 2020, back in 2019. Obviously, that didn't happen. And this was kind of the first opportunity that we were able to take her out there. And um, there's nothing like uh, Italian uh, espresso to really be able to kind of uh, shepherd around a wonderful 77-year-old yes. woman on her first trip uh, to the ancient city of Siena, you know what I mean? Uh, and we brought some back. And so that's been really helpful in kind of these last seven days or so. Yeah. But anyway, um, I don't want to I don't want to steal the show from from the wonderful Linda Thompson, who is a hero and a fellow experiencer and has wonderful stories and wonderful cases. Um, hey, but yeah, uh-huh. before you go, Jay, let's just get the time. And what I want to talk about is the virtual. Uh, you can still get on ver- even though they sold out in in-person tickets. You can still get online and watch this, which I'm going to be doing. So please tell everybody uh, the time it starts uh, and and uh, the website, et cetera. Or Nathan can show that. We'll also stick it in the show notes and stuff at the end of the show. Sure. So um, we will be opening the doors both virtually and in person at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So that's New York City time. That works out to be 10.30 Pacific. It works out to be 6.30 UK. And um, yes, folks, um, we sold out the in-person tickets a while ago. Um, I can announce that I think that we're going to be putting up one more in-person ticket later tonight. Um, And then, uh, because, yeah. And... um, the online tickets for people that could be joining us online uh it's going to be through zoom webinars and anybody that purchases a ticket both in person and online uh will have continually continual access to the professionally shot um archival video uh afterwards so if you can't make the whole thing online uh on saturday um and you have a ticket you can feel free to review that footage and and check out what we're doing uh, whenever you'd like. Uh, the website to get a ticket is an inquiry into the anomalous.rsvpfi.com. And I'll also put that in the comments on, uh, on this video Thank you. Uh, after I get off. And um, tickets are only $30, which I think that you'll find is a pretty good price. Um, we tried to make it as reasonable as possible for people. A lot of conferences online uh, charge you an arm and a leg. And even though we're in one of the most, we're doing this and trying to pull it off in one of the most expensive cities uh, in the world, we're still trying to keep things as reasonable as possible so that as many people can join us uh, as would like. So uh, thank you so much for having me on tonight. I, I really appreciate being able to, to plug uh, uh, the event. I'm really happy to share a few moments with you guys. I'm really happy to share a few moments with Deb and especially the wonderful Linda Thompson. So, yeah, thank you Jay so much. Christopher King. Yeah. <laughs> Take care and good luck this weekend. All right. Thanks so much, guys. See you soon. Thank you, brother. I'll talk to you. Peace. Yes. Your brother, your experiencer brother, <laughs> Jay Christopher King. All right, let's get into it, Linda. Um, man, you know, like when I got on the phone with you and I started speaking with you, 
the obvious question, and maybe this is not obvious, so maybe, you know, Nathan and Debs can correct me if I'm wrong, just because, you know, when you're an interviewer, it's like, I want to, I want to be there. I want to know, like, to the best of my ability as, as an empath myself, that is sort of the one ability that I do have is as an empath, um, literally the one ability, <laughs> but, um, you know, what is it like being in the, in the presence? And, and one of the folks asked today, I believe she was responding to Eindoli on something and asking about touch. And so can I just ask you that about experience? What if, feels like and, and touch if that happened and in what way meaning like uh what the skin feels like on your skin if you felt their skin on your skin oh um i don't know how i would describe that um for some reason <laughs> I don't know. Maybe in the past I did touch a porpoise like at SeaWorld. Mm -hmm. I don't remember when I took my son. Um, but I would kind of say that's kind of the feeling from what I remember. So that's the only thing I can press it with. Interesting. So I hadn't warm. thought about that before. Well, I mean, that's why the, Nathan's paying me all this money. <laughs> He came up with something new. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I was just curious about, about that. And I guess the second, um, is there, is there an experience that, that you look back on and if you could share it with us, that makes you feel good that you left it feeling like Christopher Bledsoe, whom I'm sure you're acquainted with him. Yeah. Um, my gosh. The thing is, I've had so many different experiences, and that's that's the hard thing. Um, I mean, I've had experiences where I've gotten messages about different things, but um, as far as w one thing that really, I guess, was totally unexpected was an event that I had that was really big and caused a lot of problems. But I finally underwent regression last year because I was like, okay, I'm strong enough to take whatever it was that I don't remember. And so I did that not knowing what I was going to find out was that even though everything around it was bad, what actually happened was that one of the places they operated on me was on my left ankle. I did not know. No clue. My leg had problems, but it was having some problems. Okay, so I didn't believe it. They told me it was to help me, that they were taking out like a tumor, and that my leg would not be able to be like straight normal kind of stuff but um that it would be better than having the tumor obviously okay um so i you know that was some of it 
so I got off and I got the transcript to reread it and everything and listen to it. And I'm like, I took a mirror and held it to the outside of my left ankle and I can't move that leg all the way. So I had to, and then I had my husband come over and I said, do you see anything like a surgical scar or anything there? And sure enough, there was this like surgical line. Now that happened almost 30 years ago. I had no clue, absolutely no clue that happened. Okay. But the evidence is there and I had been having trouble with that leg before. Um, Things got worse for a while after and other things going on. But um, yeah, I had no clue. I I would have thought that was 100% an awful experience from everything else that went on, not knowing that detail. That 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 is a uh, really interesting because you waited this long to do it, and you so maybe you never even knew. And but I'm gonna pass it to Nathan after because there's so much here. I don't want to hog you up, but um, you, did you never know before that they had helped you from a medical perspective or medical standpoint? No, I mean I've had some healings, but and you know, and Nathan, this is where you probably know that you know the healings holy spirit all that kind of thing can kind of run and mix together with all this other and you know what is what and what is that but um so yeah i had no clue you know because it was after that incident that i later had um an object removed from up here and so you know, that was after that happened. So, you know, and that was discussed in the regression too, you know, what it was being there for and all. Uh, That is got to be very revelatory after as many years as you've been involved (laughs) with the phenomenon to, to have that happen and have it just maybe even change what you thought about the phenomenon. But, uh, Again, I don't I don't want to follow up too much because I literally you're the kind of guest that you don't even write up. You don't need to write down any questions because there's so much to talk to you about. We could just riff off each other for, you know, hours. Go ahead. Uh, take it away, Nathan. Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested in, you know, you've been dealing with a lot of this for many, many years. And uh, we've had the good fortune of interviewing other experiencers who've had their experiences in the near past. So not so long ago. And it's obvious to us how difficult it is to kind of wrestle with what's happening to them and, and making sense of it all. And I'm just wondering if you know, with, with the time that you've had with this, the experience that, that you've had with this, is there anything that you would provide as a, you know, kind of a guidance or counsel for those that are going through this for the first time or, or early on, something that really mm-hmm. helped you that kind of may, may make sense of it all, or at least come to peace with some of it. Anything you would want to share there? Oh gosh. Okay. So I'm a lifer and I've had all kinds of experiences. Um, I guess what I would say is you have to find 
a way to deal with it, um, not to close yourself off. Because one thing people like me, we live in very compartmental lives. You know, we keep this separate, that separate, that separate, and we can't let it let it cross. Um, you know, it's like living in the shadows. And the first time that I actually like spoke about it to the world type of thing um, was one night late on Twitter. And somebody had talked about something happening to his girlfriend that was like very close to what happened to me that at that instance, that time I was talking about. And I just started like posting about what happened to me. And yeah, you know, it would be the wrong thing for a hundred people besides me to do. But at that point it broke. You know, I just like cried the last rest of the night because it was finally out, you know, and of course, you know, the guy told me, he says, you shouldn't have done that. You just don't understand. I said, yeah, you're right. But I feel like there's healing coming because of that. You know, it just broke down a wall. So you need to find somebody that you can trust um, that can help you walk through this. And the funny thing is, okay, I saw a therapist for years and I couldn't put a name on what was going on. Okay. Partly because of embarrassment and stuff, but there were triggers and things that I didn't understand. Okay. So like one of the major things for me is that I had severe PTSD driving at night, seeing blue lights, the police cars. Hmm. I was okay till they started using the blue lights. Okay. Could not figure it out. Could not. I mean, my foot would shake so bad on the gas pedal that I thought I was just not going to be able to drive at all. Hmm. I mean, that's just how shook up I was. And, you know, so I was telling the therapist this kind of stuff and, you know, and it dawned on me what it was, that it was the blue lights that I had seen in, you know, the abductions and stuff. And it was like, as soon as I put that together, pieced it together, that was it. Doesn't bother me anymore. Hmm. So, um, and the funny thing was, okay, I saw that therapist for years talked about all this stuff and the funny thing was okay the last day when she retired and I went to see her for the last appointment and she told me she goes I knew what you were dealing with from the first day you stepped in here but I couldn't tell you you had to come to it yourself and she said and my sister is one of the top ufologists in the country that does regression and stuff. And she says, I knew exactly what it was. And I'm like, well, then why did I have to spend all that money? <laughs> <laughs> because you had why to spend all that money. <laughs> Incredible. She's like, I'm a capitalist. Look. Uh, 
That's amazing. Well, I, I resonate a lot with that. And I think anyone that's gone through a traumatic experience, um, you know, and has processed that probably can. I think it's good advice, you know, just um, l listen to the voice inside and, and you know, let, let it out. But like you said, let it out to someone that is able to listen to you. Um, and, and also, I think, you know, what, what you kind of hint at there is it's not necessarily something you can control. So as much as we um, want to be in control, and a lot of our society is built around that, right? That we're, we're in control of, of a lot of these factors, and we have this false sense of security that we've got everything figured out. And I think uh, we forget that we're really not often in, as in control as we are, and, and sometimes we just have to go with the flow and, and, and be uh, at the mercy of whatever energies are kind of happening to us at any given time. And those things can be quite uh, healing and therapeutic. I also want to say that Linda, uh, people like our friend, David John Lanier, shout out to David John Lanier. Mm -hmm. uh, he looks at somebody like Linda and talks to Linda and probably what he feels. He can never get th get that talking to me or probably even you, Nathan, just because we don't know what it feels right. like. You know, Deb's probably uh, Linda. Definitely. You know, Max, you know, people like Max look up to you. He contacted me today. He's looking forward to this. Uh, episode Max McCabe. He's an experiencer who's had a difficult time processing. So I think a lot of people just really want to thank you for that. A lot of experiencers. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. We got to turn you over to Debs now. So Nathan, I don't breathe up all that air. <laughs> yeah. So hi, I thank you for coming to talk to us. I wanted to um, point out that in addition to being an experiencer and a researcher, you also advocate for experiencers. And I was wondering if you could tell people what they get wrong about experiencers and something that you think that they should know. Okay, yeah. Well, besides all the ideas about, you know, making stuff up and all of that, it's like, <laughs> no, if I, if I could make stuff up this good, I would just write novels, you know? I mean... You know, it's one of my doctors says that truth is stranger than fiction. And, you know, and that's absolutely true. Um, but I would say it's just important not to put everybody together in one basket and, and everybody who has an experience of whatever has gone through something different. Um, and we're not guinea pigs. That's one thing that I just get really irate about is when people talk, well, we need to test y'all and we need to, you know, we have to do this and we have to do that. And, and we need to know who all the experiences are and who all the abductees are. And it's like, no, you don't. You know, you think about, you know, the Japanese internment camps during the war, you know, they, they rounded people up, you know, I can see and many others can see that type of thing could happen with experiencers and abductees because people would be scared of, you know, of the contact or what we may know, or, you know, what we really are, you know, all these silly things. I mean, we have a lot of people that shoot and kill people for less than that, you know, because they're 
the wrong color or wear the wrong shirt one day. So, you know, I just, we're people, just let us be people. And, um, you know, I think it's important to value each person, not just for who they are, but for just being a person, you know, and, and that's one thing I think being an experiencer and being in the consciousness and all of that really is something that you learn or you just are tied into more, you know, as you're in it. The value of people in general and in individually. You and Julie really share that sense of that love of humanity. That <laughs> I, I hear the same things coming from Julie regarding that that I hear from you, and it it, it uh, makes sense why you guys are good friends. <laughs> uh, De- Deb, I don't want to cut you off if there's more. If there's something more. No, I, I I definitely agree with you, and that's all I wanted to say. I, I I know that in my own experience with my son, who um has a chromosome deletion, the uh, reaction from the medical people was they wanted to treat him like a guinea pig. So I highly oppose that. I'm like, nope, you're not gonna know anything. You're not gonna do anything but experiment with him and collect some data. So no, thank you. <laughs> So I entirely understand that. Um, Linda, you know, you've been married. I read in your bio, you've been married for 41 years. And by the way, the bio, you know, in terms of you speaking, writing, uh, speaking professionally outside of uh, this topic, inside this topic, it's, it's one of those resumes that just covers like, you know, the entire panoply of, 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 of a person. Uh, which is beautiful. You know, you're business oriented, you know, you're paralegal, you know, you have all these different skill sets uh, in, in addition to the wisdom that you've gained through this contact that not a lot of people have had. I mean, I don't know when I say not a lot, I mean, relative to the world's population. Um, has your husband ever awoke to found that find that you weren't there, that you had been with uh, working with, with them? Yes. Um, yeah. I know, like, he, like, when I'm listening to the planes go by, um, one morning, this has been maybe four or five years ago, maybe longer. He, um, it was this house. And in the morning, when I woke up, he's like, where were you last night? And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I was in bed. <laughs> he goes, no, you weren't. He says, I looked everywhere. And we have five floors. Okay. He says, <laughs> I looked everywhere. And he says, okay, so, and your the cars were here. The doors were bolted. Your purse and your keys were here. Um but I couldn't find you anywhere. And I said, well, then I wasn't here. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I don't know what to tell you, you know, what's his reaction to that. (laughs) He was was just like, okay. 
um, you know, he's, he's learned, you know, to accept things more and more over the years. I mean, when we were first married, yeah, almost 42 years ago, you know, he didn't believe in ghosts or anything. Well, he's had to change a lot of things <laughs> over the years of what he can agree and, you know, believe in things. So, yeah. You rebuilt him like the $6 million man. <laughs> I guess. But then the funny part was it was like we were married, I think it was like 40 years and he tells me and then tells our son separate that he had a near-death experience at least once when, when he was young. Hmm. And, um, and my son still thinks that's funny because, you know, my husband's an engineer and a very serious person. And, and he's like, I can't believe dad waited this long to tell us. <laughs> yeah and i'm like well it's not like he went into a lot of detail but you know he both he told both of us separate and so you know i was saw my son this year earlier in the year and he still thought that was really funny you know <laughs> it's emblematic of the entire population it's very difficult to tell people you know now you know after I saw a UFO. I had an experience. I was abducted. I saw Bigfoot. People are like, I saw, I heard a, a, from Arizona, a husband, former army guy that says like, I don't believe you. And like this lady was like running, like screaming toward their truck, got in the truck and said, I want to go home now. And he's like, why? And she's like, I want to go home now. I saw blank. And he's like, I, he didn't believe her. Mm -hmm. That's why people don't want to talk about it. That's probably why your husband didn't want to talk about his NDE. You know, so anyway, let me turn you over to Nathan before I get on to my next question, because this is just good. This is just too easy. That's <laughs> fun. It's fun. Great. So um, I wanted uh, there's a lot of talk now, as, as I think, in the, in the community about experiencers. And if only we could uh, get a better grasp on all of the experiences and kind of come to some uh, conclusions uh, related to what everyone's going through. So I was wondering if you could, you, you've talked with a lot of them, you've had a lot of experiences of your own. Uh, if, I wonder if you could talk to what are some common uh, components of the experience? And then what are also some common uh, messages that are received from these experiences? What, what are conclusions that, that experiencers generally kind of come away with? Oh, gosh. Um, well, there's so many types of experiences, and there's also different um, experiences in themselves, you know. Um, there's really, you know, people say that's all in your intent and all of this, and I don't, I just can't get into that. I mean, maybe it's because from the time I was, knee high I was going through this stuff and you know what did I know as a baby you know so um I have a hard time with that um I do know people who do CE5s that have really bad experiences I have people come to me about that all the time um and they're like we're putting out good intent and but we're still having these you know 
so I'm sorry. All I know is what I'm told. Um, I know there's good experiences with CE5. Um, and that goes with just everything, um, you know, and what, and things can be mixed, you know, you, you may not, rem I, this is one of the things I've thought of after my regression and, and talking to him because I was like, okay, so but I was told I was given a choice in the beginning, whether to remember my events. And then I didn't want to because of the fear. I still remember, you know, events. I just don't remember every detail. It seems like men tend to remember things more than the women. And I personally think that's because of what women go through during the events, that it's more personal with the women. Um, and so I think that's part of it. Um, but I would say you're not going to know everything that goes on with any of this. You know, it's going to, you're probably going to have good regardless of how bad it is. And you're probably going to have some bad regardless of how good it is. That's from talking to, I can't tell you how many people. Um, and so I would just say that this is what it is. You know, sure, there may be the good guys and the bad guys, but they could be like humans and we all have some good and all some bad. And it's just, you know, whatever the agenda for the day is that you get. Um, as far as... Um, you know, a lot. there is a thing where if you're by yourself and you see a bright light in the star, a bright light in the sky, and you think it's a UFO, it could be. And you very well could have an experience you don't know about. Um, that is something that a lot of us who are MUFON investigators know that is happens a lot um and I think it's probably more likely to happen if you're by yourself um and so there's like little bits and pieces that you remember over the years of what happened um I know that supposedly that's like not supposed to happen with you know the way things they do but I think that Part of it's our body also giving us clues, which also can shut down stuff. So it's really interesting. Um, I would just say to, you know, I have people all the time that come to me for help. And um, I keep the stuff confidential. Um, and I can, I refer people to other people. You know, I'm on the ERT for MUFON and as experienced a resource team, but I have also referred people, hi, Ann, I've also referred people out to other people, including to um, Deb's um, support group people. And so, you know, it doesn't matter who, which tribe you're going to, what matters is that you're getting the help that you need, whatever that is at the time. 
a lot of times you just need somebody to talk to. I mean, I have doctors, attorneys, military, you name it, contact me to, you know, tell me their story. Because once they tell somebody their story, they feel better about it, you know. And they'll say, have you ever heard anything like this before? And I'm like, yeah, you know. I have some experiences I'd like to forget and, and block. And for example, like the, the sloppy Joe's at my high school cafeteria or something that right, Nathan, I mean, I'm, yeah, I, I feel like I'm still wrestling with that. Kind of upset. You mentioned it actually. It's yeah. I'm having <laughs> flashbacks now. Yeah. It's not, it's not great. Yeah. It's a we'll dark, move, dark time. We'll move on. Debs. <laughs> so in, in researching this phenomenon um, and experience or encounters, um, one thing that I have noticed is that there could be considerably more people who have had experiences they don't remember. So my question is, do you think that you could um, give us some of those indicators, um, some of the things that are kind of markers for that suppression? Yeah. Um, well, like, like I said, it can be something just like blue lights at night that just you just totally cannot handle it um little things like that um sometimes you'll catch a, a unique smell that takes you back to something or a touch there's um different ones <laughs> Anne's gonna make me laugh <laughs> she's sweet um, yeah that's what i'm about to say the chip beef on toast go get him aunt tyler <laughs> Um, and so there's different things that can trigger you. And so, um, you know, it's good to write the stuff down and just to be able to go back and look at it. You know, I'll tell you the stupidest thing that I have ever done, I think, is when we moved from San Antonio to Virginia, um, I threw away seven years of journals. What? Yes. We're putting it, you in time out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I had a chest full of journals hmm. of everything and anything you can think of. And I mean, at the time it was like starting over, da, 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 da. But then it's like, you know, now just for the documentation and the dates and all that stuff, I wish I had them and I don't. And, you know, so I just have to push forward. But, and I think that was another one of the things that experiencers and their families like to get rid of evidence. And it's not, it's, it's very, um, it's not conscious. It's very subconscious what you're doing. Um, everybody in my family does that, you know, has done it. And so, you know, and later you go, why did I do that? Well, you know, you don't have the evidence. And so it didn't happen, right? Mm -hmm. That's the way people think. So. Uh, I, I agree with you. I have this feeling uh my, my high school yearbook is gone and every a lot of people some people in the community know that 
I'm very close with my high school. I have a podcast I do with my high school classmates once a month. And if I could get my yearbook, I have a, I have a, um, a race bike, a motorcycle I built up for the track. I would literally trade that motorcycle for my yearbook with the inscriptions in it. Uh, literally, I would say bye-bye, hand over the title to it and, and say goodbye. So th those things mean a lot. And so I understand that, and people in this community would really value tremendously what, whatever your thoughts and your journals were at the time. Um, this is going to be a two-parter. Um, were you in the single digits or double digits before you, you asked yourself, why me? in terms of your age single that's what i thought mm -hmm. and do, do, do you have a sense of what they want from you or have they made that clear to you through their communications um i've had different um responsibilities or whatever throughout my life um I was through the hybridization program, um, a teacher. Um, that's always been something very natural to me. I'm also told that they learn through me what I'm going through and what I'm doing. Um, and so, you know, that's part of it. I mean, I do get downloads and, um, you know, it's just on and on, but um, I don't think for most women or for men, men don't talk about it as much, but if you go through hybridization, I don't think that your purpose just stops when you're finished with that and that you can just hide from them. <laughs> Um, from that point on, I don't think that's typical. Um, you may not be used as often, but I think that they will still eventually come back around. Um, I, I have some funny stories about that kind of thing, but yeah. Please. So, well, this... I'm third generation. My granddaughter is fifth generation. Wow. My, we know five generations, you know, who knows? It could go way back. Um, and I am hearing more through the ERT that five generations is what they're hearing more and more from people. So um, like my grandmother, when she was in her, 80s called me and um and she lived to be 103 um but she called me one day to tell me that the nice space people had given her and my aunt a ride and had wow. taken their car and got them home faster and i'm thinking oh my gosh <laughs> and nathan bought that tesla and yeah well Okay, so this would have been really cute and really funny, except for the fact that the car was pretty damaged and that the windshield was black and purple and gold and blues and had to be replaced. 
And so, yeah, it, it wasn't funny. It wasn't old age. It was really something that happened. Hmm. So, yeah. This fourth and fifth generation, did you have to prepare them or, you know, your daughter? I mean, you know, like, how did you approach that? Is that that like the conversation, like the birds and the bees, like this is going to happen to you guys? No, because, you know, your whole life, you're, you're trying to deny it yourself, you know? And, and the funny thing was, okay, okay. My mom wouldn't take me anywhere. I wasn't allowed to like go to friends' houses or anything when I was little because she never knew what I was going to talk about. Okay. So I was very isolated. Um, I know I was taken with my son when he was a baby several times. Um, Okay, there were many things I knew with my son that involved it, but he had no conscious memory of it. Um, He had a big event that was major that probably resulted in my granddaughter, um, him being able to have a child and I knew it happened. My husband knew it happened because we were talking on the phone with him. He had called us at two o'clock in the morning while he was driving from LA to San Francisco. And he's talking about the bright lights in the sky. They're really strange, bright lights. And the next thing we know, the phone was dead. Phone was dead. I knew right then and there what had happened to him. Okay. And yeah, as a mom, you, you, how can you sleep after that? Okay. Um, he called about 1130 the next day, said he had no clue where he was, that he was out somewhere. He was going to stop nowhere near where he was supposed to be. And he and his fiance had a big fight about it because he was so late and everything. Okay, so you have that. Um, Okay, so his life after that was blocked, totally blocked. And I knew it, and I knew what had happened. And I talked to a friend of mine who's a ufologist that handles abductees. And I said, okay, so what do I do? Am I supposed to just wait for him to come to his own conclusion about what happened? And he said, yeah. He says, you need to. Yeah. Really interesting. He he said, you need to. And what he, he finally realized that the daughter would not have been born if it wasn't for what happened that weekend. That he believes that they operated on him and fixed him Um, because he had been in a severe motorcycle accident um, the year, well, four years before that. And he wasn't supposed to be able to have children. His uh, fiance at the time, um, she wasn't supposed to be able to have children either. The doctor didn't think. So then they ended up having the baby okay well 
Okay, so then all of that fast forward and he realized that's why that happened. And so then we were able to talk about it because he came to me and asked me about it. And I said, I've been waiting for you to come to that conclusion, you know, (laughs) to process it on your own. Now, it's more difficult with my granddaughter, okay, because she has been going through the things I went through. And I mean, and she's from the time she was a year old, she could use the iPhone. It was she could she could call me. She could do all this stuff. And her mom thought she was just babbling on the phone playing. And I'm like, hello. (laughs) Okay. well, then she learned how to draw pictures on the iPhone. And she sent one to me. And as soon as I saw it, I knew she had been taken because it was the galaxy and the stars. Okay, she was like four years old. Why is she drawing the galaxy with stars? Right. Okay, I've been drawing the galaxy all my life. I know what that means. Okay, so um, and then it just increased after that. Okay. So yeah, it's hard. And I when I was there earlier this year, we just I had a short time because I was going from MUFON home and I was like, no, I'm gonna stop and see them in California before I come home. And I only had like two days, but and that's all we talked about was all of this. My son said later. I couldn't even talk to you, mom, because you and his wife were talking the whole time. About the phenomenon. <laughs> he said, I couldn't get a word in. <laughs> this is ironic because I feel like we, uh, we already are ready to book you for episode two because we're never going to get it all in. Nathan, <laughs> there's, there's just way too much. That, that And so, yeah, we're going to invite you back for episode two. Nathan, please go ahead, sir. I wanted to ask a, uh, a practical question. So your experience uh, with MUFON as a field investigator, uh, I've seen you tweet about that a good bit. Um, if somebody has an experience, whether it be a sighting or a, a, an experience that might be an abduction or whatnot, what are the things that you would recommend that they do uh, to kind of preserve the evidence or if they're trying to get evidence, what are the, what's the best kind of evidence to, to try to get? Uh, obviously, everyone's always like, why didn't you take a photo? Well, I mean, we all know that can be really challenging to do, even mm-hmm. when it's not an, a UFO. We have trouble taking photos of things that just happen you know, around us all the time. Right. Uh, but what's some advice you'd give to the, those folks uh, that are going to reach out to move on and want them to investigate? What are, what are the things they can do to prepare for that? Okay. Um, as far as the photos or images, if you can do it, if you can take it on your phone or whatever in raw, it takes up more space, but you get a better image. Don't zoom in. It makes it very grainy. And then also we need perspective. So if there are those electric lines or a tree, at least that helps us to gauge the size of what it is. If there's power lines, that's important. Um, there's many things that people wouldn't think about that are important. And so if we can see it, it helps. Um, draw. If you don't, if you didn't take a picture, at least draw it out. 
put the directions, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so there's a lot of things that you can do besides just taking photos. Um, it, we need to know the direction that you were facing when you saw it and then what direction it went. Um, one tip somebody had that was really good was that if you're like on dirt, just like take your foot and move your foot so that you know where you were standing when you first saw it. So then you can look and see what direction it was afterwards. Um, so there's different tips like that. Um, sounds, were there sounds, were there airplanes? Because I can often, not always, but I can often synchronize uh, a jet going over a commercial plane going over with the sighting time which helps to document it plus if you can tell the difference between a plane and a drone and a ufo that's helpful um i've been getting a lot of reports of multiple ufos so um orbs and spears spears and cubes I had a tic tac and a disc one day on a video. Um, we're seeing more of that where there's multiple types together. Um, and so don't get hung. A lot of people get hung up on what it's supposed to look like and if it's supposed to make sound or not supposed to make sound. Don't get hung up on any of that type of thing. It just is what it is. Report it regardless of the detail, how small or big it is. If you heard birds, if you didn't hear birds, the dog was barking, if it wasn't barking. I mean, all these little things are important to investigators. And, um, you know, with orbs, don't be friendly with orbs. I, so many people want to touch them or get closer. Don't do that because you just never know what could happen. Got it. That's great. And what, what about uh, on, on those abduction experiences? Uh, you mentioned journaling. Maybe that, that's a good way to record the, those events. What are things that investigators will typically kind of ask about if you had something like that? Oh, gosh. There's so many things. I would say, first off, um, a lot of people, you need to give yourself permission to remember. Okay? This works. Um you give yourself permission to remember what happened. And I don't, you know, it could have happened 30, 40 years ago. And it may sound funny to give yourself permission to remember it, but it works. You're telling your brain it can finally remember. Um, okay, so yeah, you write down what you remember, anything, whether it's the smells or textures. Um, you know, were you hot? Were you cold? Whatever. You write it down. Um, things that you think happened. Maybe it, it didn't happen, but a lot of times the things that you think happened, but you're afraid to put down are the things that were important. Because you're, you're trying, you keep trying to tell yourself this isn't real, it's not happening. When and okay, So you're throwing away a lot of important details. It's kind of like in, um, oh gosh, 
in CRV when you are trying to, you know, make your notes and you keep having these other little details flying in when you're doing your remote viewing. Those little details may be junk, but they also could be important. So you need to write it down just like that. Um, do, do, do you guys get concerned whether like they have a pedestal sink, a flushless urinal, like would show they're at least environmentally conscious, you know, <laughs> I mean, those are the things I would, I'm so I don't know if that's important or not. I don't, I don't know. I guess if okay. you see whatever you see, you write down, Okay. <laughs> you know, cause I'm thinking all metallic Nathan kind of boring. Like sounds very smooth surfaced. Yeah. Like yeah. easy to disinfect. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess so. <laughs> well, well, I think that's a, you know, in all seriousness, that's a really good point, Linda, because um, we're always wanting to contextualize. We're always trying to make things fit into things that we're comfortable with. So, you know, the weird things we often discard because they don't fit into what we think should have happened or made sense to have happened. So it's a good exercise just to write it all down and, and evaluate it later, not kind of discard a bunch of stuff and, and make it into a story that may not have really been how it occurred. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, it's, if you get, whether it's something you're, you're here or you have a download or whatever it is. I mean, some people automatic, write Whatever it is, you, I mean, you have to be aware that at least some of it is probably means nothing. Okay. I mean, I don't, you know, people that think everything matters and whatever. Um, I don't take it. I just know, okay, I've been dealing with this all my life. I've dealt with it with other people. And I just know that things just don't happen that way. So, you know, it's like people that channel or whatever, or whatever you want to call it. I don't take any of it a hundred. I don't, you know, I weigh everything. And so I don't, I don't just accept few exceptions I don't throw it all out but um you know I do weigh it but you don't know that at the time so you just need to document what you can if only for you mm -hmm. yeah, that's great advice let's get Deb? Deb's in there before I go okay. Bigfoot on, uh, on, on okay <laughs> well I want to address one of your other hats um is that you research quite a lot objectively i might add um and you have left breadcrumbs for people who are looking um things about patel um where crash retrievals have happened so on and so forth um but i was wondering if you wanted to direct people to what you think might be the closest thing we have to a smoking gun if you think there's something that they should really look at if they feel like they need evidence beyond what I feel is a huge amount of evidence, but <laughs> is there something you think people should look at? I, I just think that experiencers and abductees particularly have more answers than what people realize. I mean, I am constantly amazed every week where somebody on Twitter is like, this is whatever, whatever, you know, X, Y, Z, 
Right. And I'm like, we've been telling y'all that for years. When are y'all going to start listening to us? You know, um, evidence, documents, pictures, you name it, it's not enough. Um, yeah, if they roll out bodies, people are probably going to say it's Hollywood props. If they bring out a flying saucer, they're probably going to say it's Hollywood props. I guess unless they come down and start shooting everybody, nobody will take them seriously. I mean, serious. The government has spent over 70 years brainwashing people into believing it, none of it's real. And so they've done a very good job at what they're doing. So much so that even the media has bought in on what they've said. Um, so I just don't know what evidence. Um, I know Ben Henson, who has worked with MUFON and does a lot of stuff on his other shows. He's former FBI. Okay. He's been working some awesome cases lately dealing with commercial airline pilots. And he posted a new video today that was absolutely awesome. Yep. Okay. I have a friend who's a flight stu uh, steward that lives in our community. And I sent him the last one he did. And he was like, oh, my gosh. And so I sent him this one this afternoon. And I just got a text from him that he loved it. So, you know, but two years ago when I mentioned you know, UFO casually to him. He he just gave me this ooh, look, you know? And so now he's getting into it because they're talking about it more and realizing that it's happening. So, yeah. yeah it's, it's a very, very difficult uh, subject because it, it it's not really in their interest to, to have people be scared about something they can't control, but yet we have a right to know. So it's a big you know, it, it's a big balancing act and, um, you know, uh, it's not quite clear, uh, what was the correct way to go. And given the time, you know, that when you study like historiography, they tell you the time that something occurs, you can't judge history based on today's value sets and, mm -hmm. and today's thought processes on, uh, on social, uh, aspects, et cetera. Well, 1947 was 1947. It was a totally different world than it is today. So we have to judge it against 1947. All that said, uh, uh, ma'am, the Bigfoot incident uh, yeah. you, that you had, uh, was this, this was a backyard situation or can you? It was front yard. Front yard. Front, Nathan, not backyard, front yard. <laughs> okay. Amazing. Okay, so please, uh, uh, just in, like a in pizza delivery, us. right? Just, yeah. uh... <laughs> well, we live we live on wetlands. Mm -hmm. Um, there's like I don't know hundreds of acres of woods and lakes and everything behind us and to the sides of us, and so, um. One day I go out, it was maybe, maybe two or three years ago, I go out in the front yard and I don't know how to really describe it other than there were sticks that were 
intricately laid out like a wreath kind of thing, but going, you know, almost like, like I should have drawn it out, but um, it took a lot of time, okay, mm -hmm. to do this. It wasn't something somebody just threw there, a pile of sticks. And then it had like flowers with it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I mean, it drew my attention right away because it was so odd in the middle of the night. Okay. So I went and looked on our security camera and the security camera was fine, except for there was a black, you know, slice mm -hmm. and then it was okay it was just that one place totally black and then it was okay and so i was like i mean i knew what it was now i had seen to me what looked like a den near us mm -hmm. a few years ago but somebody else said well maybe that's a bear's place and i was like okay maybe I'm, mm -hmm. We haven't seen a bear here. I wouldn't be surprised. Cause I, and so, so yeah, I mean, it was just too unique in the middle of the night. Then that one frame gone. So yeah. And, you know, I showed somebody the, the, like a zone, um, drone shot mm -hmm. that a realtor in our neighborhood took of the back of our property that goes way past and it's all woods and everything and she's like wow that would be a good bigfoot area and i'm like apparently <laughs> yeah and this, the structures that they build made out of logs are not something that a bear could or would build mm -hmm. obviously they don't have the the thumb the opposable thumbs there's certain uh, alignments of trees that they make exit they make like a these very they don't look like a human made them but they definitely look like they were purposely put in that arrangement and they also lay down the pine boughs the the the, the branches with the boughs to make a bed because they understand that you need that airflow underneath uh, in order to not feel the, the cold of the ground so so yeah that's not something like a bear or a cougar would make something like that so that's really interesting, though, that uh, I'm surprised that they haven't tried to make contact with you. Uh, uh, you know, a, a lot of I mean, a lot of people I've heard. I shouldn't say a lot of people. I've heard several people that said that they are able, they hear they hear them in their head. Uh, credible people that say that and that they can respond in kind the way that some people, you know, speak with the phenomenon through that mm -hmm. that that speak. Uh, there is a uh, police officer. He's actually coming on the show uh, named Rick Taylor. I think we're having him in November. He was a retired Texas police officer who had an experience just fishing with his son and then decided, hey, I'm retired. I'm going to go into investigation of this this topic. You know, I got time. And uh, in Oklahoma, um, a, uh, a woman named Arla Williams, who's pretty famous in their community, um, introduced him to some Sasquatch and they spoke in his head and he would not have believed it if it didn't happen to him. So, uh, but yeah, I'm, so I'm surprised I haven't contacted you, but, uh, let's go on to, uh, 
Is Debs, is it you now or is it Nathan? I'm sorry, I lost track. I I honestly lost track too. I was so intrigued by the, the Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah, I've, I think got it's other, Deb. I've, I've got two oh. other UFO type questions, but go ahead, man. I'm going to go with the Bigfoot question because I have noticed a lot of parallels, um, not only between Bigfoot and non-human intelligence, but also, you know, the other paranormal things that people touch on. It just seems like the more I research, the more I find these parallels, um, like the emoting, the telepathy, um, you know, even things that go as far as poltergeist activity, which um, unfortunately Bigfoot has also gotten some credit for. Um, so I was just wondering what you think is going on in the overall scheme of all of the paranormal. I mean, it's a big question. Sorry, but <laughs> what is, what's yeah, going I mean, on? <laughs> I mean, do, uh, do you, are you asking or do you see an attachment to Bigfoot in the other aspects of 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 paranormal? Oh, yeah. Okay. And all of it. OK. I think somehow it's all interrelated. Um, you know. It could be completely different things using this similar mode of, you know, whatever it is. I'm not going to say travel. Um, you know, I, I call the beings in general and other things of that type the others generally because um, I don't really call them out as aliens. And I don't really, I don't know. I guess beings is probably as close to that as I would normally say. But I think in book Bigfoot, you know, there seems to be plenty of evidence that it's physical, but then it does other stuff. And, you know, and it's connected to other things. And a lot of Bigfoot, people say that you you see the ufos or you see the beings with them or nearby and you see some um ufo investigators that talk about it the same way that you know that they have cases with them um i haven't run into that yet i know technically we're not supposed to we're supposed to not do that in MUFON kind of a recent thing this year but I mean we're pretty resourceful people and so we're not going to say Susie saw a Bigfoot last night we're going to say you know it was a tall humanoid or being and had kind of long brown hair and you know <laughs> we're not going to use words that could trip up the computers at headquarters to you know that kind of thing so um you know we, we just have to do what we need to do to investigate things and i'm not being interviewed here but my my feeling today and this could change like five days from now my feeling today is that like uh, you know, when Nathan and Debs and I we've spoken with like Dan Warren about uh, ancient structures and how they may have been built and maybe certain abilities that our ancestors had that we have lost touch with over our evolution, if 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 you want to call it that. And I believe at today, and I again, I, I I'm going to evolve and develop as I learn more about 
Sasquatch or Bigfoot, that they have this sort of ability to use sound to make you feel emotion. They're able to project fear onto you with this, in, what they call infrasound, something I'm not familiar with, what mm-hmm. decibel level that is uh, off the top of my head. And they can also, uh, in some of the homeowners that they've become close with, not necessarily homeowners that are gifting them, but just homeowners that for whatever reason uh, they see a child or they see a mother and they feel close to them, they've been able to make them feel love. So somehow they're able to project feeling. Uh, you're in the woods, you're approaching their children or their, their females, and they want you to feel fear, and they let out this noise and people immediately freeze. They physically soil themselves, and and that is not the creature coming over and smacking you in the head, in which case your head would now be not attached to your body, but it's telling you, I don't want you here anymore. I want you to, to turn around and go. So I believe that they have retained some of these abilities that maybe make them appear supernatural, but they've just developed them over many, many years, the ability to sort of hide that makes it look like they're cloaking, but... Their mission in life is hide, eat, and protect your territory and your young, your uh, women and your young. Yeah, right. That, so I don't know how you feel about that. Not that anybody, I'm not being interviewed here, I swear. <laughs> anyway, um, so uh, that was Debs. I think we're on to me. And I was going to ask you about a Richard Doty incident that I, uh, excuse me, a Richard Doty narrative that he spoke at a conference recently. And it was on, it was actually ironically on, uh, uh, I think Nathan shared this with me. I don't know if it was Sasquatch Chronicles or if it was Bigfoot Eyewitness Radio. But in any case, it was Richard Doty. The entire episode was Richard Doty at a conference speaking about an incident that happened in Nevada whereby there was a uh, mother, father, two children in the backseat of the car near Tonopah Air Base, ironically, and uh, they saw a craft. Uh, The craft was quite close to their car, in front of their car. It scared them. They pulled over. They exited the car. uh, They tried to hide behind a bush, basically. Uh, You know how that is in Nevada with the brush and the the tumbleweeds and stuff. And... um, and and the two, a beam came out and the two ger- children floated into the craft, and I believe they I don't know if they were found six or eight hours later near Tonopah by security police. Uh, meanwhile, the parents are at the sheriff. Have you heard that story uh, or, or heard that narrative through your your contacts? I haven't heard that story, you know, told by him. Um, it does sound very familiar to things. Um, and a lot of these beings do float and I can see where they could get people to float also. Um, that would be very easy for them, most likely. Um, I have experienced them floating and I don't know. (laughs) I assume they floated me with them in one event because i'm sure i was passed out at that point from from fear um so yeah um that doesn't surprise me um i've heard many things um i've heard of accidents with children or adults 
uh, where people have gotten injured because they were dropped wrong or they would put the wrong place and that kind of thing. I wouldn't be surprised at anything that could happen. Wow. Uh, wow, that is that is really that's pretty wild. Um, by the way, I just want to shout out to another experiencer who's in our chat right there, Alien Pickle. Um, I'm sure he's a fan of yours and he is a fellow experiencer. So just want to shout out to Alien Pickle. And uh, let me pass it over to Money Nathan. I was going to ask, um, your uh, sense of reality is no doubt different than the normal person's, right? <laughs> um, you mentioned that, uh, you know, this has affected you your entire life, right? So it's changed the way you look at the world. It's, um, you know, the, the boxes that you kind of put things in are a lot bigger than the rest of our, our boxes. Um, has it given you... Uh, you know, some new sensibilities to, uh, are you, are you tuned into things that maybe a lot of people aren't because of the way that you, you, you experience the world through all of these uh, encounters? I would say that I'm more alert. Um, and I can read people and situations very well. Um, you get a sense of things that you, you know, you just, there are things you know, and you don't know how you know, mm. you know, you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, there are just things, but there's a lot of um, things that you just perceive and you don't understand fully how you perceive them, but you do, you know, just like when you know that they're here or, you know, you're going to be taken or, you know, they're outside or you're driving along and you know, you know, it's like I could, this happened once a couple of years ago, I was driving, my husband was in the other seat. I told him to take a picture there. I wasn't even looking. I just pointed. He goes, why? I don't see anything. I said, just take the picture there. And when we got to the house, looked at the film, and it had five UFOs going wow. like together. But he didn't see them when you right. taking the photo, right? No. And so I can't explain a lot of stuff. It just is. Yeah, that's and amazing. I don't this I'm probably going to get reprimanded this for this Lin, uh, Linda but in, in your next interaction is there any way that you could speak to them about my hair if they healed your ankle then that leads me to believe that possibly something could happen here uh, they need to help my hair your hair looks great I'll I'll take your hair I mean this that, that would look good on me I mean I could look like I would look cool with that all right anyway if if you happen to think of it and you're up there, you know, if you could just, I would appreciate just it. Put in a word. Yeah. Yeah. yeah put in, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Namaste. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So last question, Debs. Uh, and then I have a final one. 
We gotta get Linda out of here, and we have to beg for episode two so we can continue. Okay, so um, I was thinking about what you were saying about the knowing, and it's weird because I actually knew it was gonna be dolphins when when GJ asked that question, which wow. kind of worries me a little bit. But anywho, because I've pet I've petted a dolphin before, and um. <laughs> Anywho, so yeah, I was wondering if you think there is a way for someone to enhance their communication um, with their ability to be receptive to those downloads and messages. Um, I know a lot of people go to consciousness and you you know what music I listen to because you commented on it and recognized it. And that helps with my meditations. Um, but are there some other ways you can think of to tell people to enhance that ability? For a lot of people, it's just getting out in nature, um, you know, walking among the trees or whatever. Um, so that helps a lot of people just being outside. Um, definitely meditation is a big thing. Um, learning just when you send something or hear something to write it down. Um, and that's true even in meditation because I, you go back to um, remote viewing those techniques. I first learned through meditation. Those are things um, that I learned, you know, especially when you're learning to meditate and you go, oh, but I need to pick up the groceries and, you know. You, you make those little notes and then you go back to meditating. And so um, whatever works with you, but you need to be able to silence yourself and to just not listen to anything even. I mean, not even music. Um, that's a big thing with me is that I really prefer silence most of the time. Um, that just you know a lot of people are afraid of silence but i think that's important yeah except when you're hosting a show i'm just kidding um no you're no you're right that time alone nathan's been meditating a lot and that time in the woods is 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 magical uh and it's my favorite place to be is in the forest um everybody who knows me knows that um i wanted to ask um about Chris Bledsoe, do you think that uh, you know, like perhaps a purpose that that you surmise that that the phenomenon has in mind for him? Is there was it to be a healer? Do you think that there's a specific reason why Chris Bledsoe was given the gifts that he was given? Um. Well, I will say this, and I have chatted with. Chris and I know he's a really sweet person um, I will just say that I don't think elevating any abductee or any experiencer is really even valid because so many hide so many things from other people um that a lot of that is very common. Okay, what is different about Chris Bledsoe and some other people 
is that the government got involved and that's what made it all different. You know, how they could use him, um, even the individuals in government used him for their own purposes. Um, and so I would just say, I know from my experience and other people that a lot of that is not unusual or abnormal. It's just, it's not out there for people to all see it. And I'm not gonna open my door to the CIA or the DIA or whoever to come in and bug my house and play mind games on me, okay? Because a lot of that goes on. And a lot of that goes on with abductees. And I just won't have it. So, um, you know, but I, I'm not into the putting abductees or experiencers or whatever on a pedestal regardless of who they are or how much they have to quote give the world or give the government um or anything else i just think there's plenty walking around that have at least as much influence without it being known so, but I think Chris is a wonderful person and I don't, you know, have absolutely nothing, you know, I mean, I have chatted with him. So, but I just, like I said, I see many people being used by the government. I, I think I meant it from the standpoint that the phenomenon, if they had something in mind for Chris. Yeah. That was obvious I mean, to you. He's obviously has gotten some people in high places to pay attention to the phenomenon. I mean, so yeah. Conduit, uh, sort of a conduit. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I'll tell you what, um, we're going to say our goodbyes to you, Linda. This is, uh, and I have a question for you tomorrow. I'm going to ask. And I, I should come clean right now that I was going to, you know, uh, Nathan, I was going to ask Chris if, if Deb was able to get him on the show, if he can heal my scalp. But we don't need to talk about that now. I, I, do, I do have another question for Linda that I'm going to ask her offline because I, I've, I like I've I've more to go. But go ahead, uh, Deb. Let's get our goodbyes in. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Linda, for coming to talk to us for the first time. We'll, we'll see you again. And for all that you share with everybody, we really appreciate your work and that you advocate so strongly for experiencers. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, Linda, thank you so much. Uh, you've been incredibly gracious with your time. I know this is not something that uh, you do often, so I take that you know very seriously, uh, that you're very choosy, and I think you should be <laughs> with that, where you spend your time, and hopefully we've made that time worthwhile. Uh, we very much enjoy chatting with you. Look forward to future conversations. Um, and, and I just want to say thank you to those who've been listening as well. The, the folks who showed up to the show tonight who've been active in the chat have been huge fans uh, of yours. Um, uh, and many of them, you, you know, I know, you know, personally, 
Uh, so it's great to see them uh, come along for this conversation. And uh, I look forward to the rest of this year and to where we're going into the, into the next year as well. And I know you'll be a part of that. So th thank you for everything that you're doing. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I uh, didn't get to uh, talk to you about my deja vu stuff, but I will, I'll call you tomorrow on that. And I also didn't get to talk about our uh, mutual friend who uh, made a healing on me that was quite remarkable from uh -huh. something very cute that was happening, but I don't want to mention her name without uh, her permission. Uh, and I don't even know if I've told Nathan and Debs about this one, but uh, I do want to say thank you um, Linda, because w without you, there's a certain group of us that are not able to connect, that don't know and can't feel it. And just like somebody who went to Rome and then, you know, could describe for you what that was like, even though you really desire to go there and you haven't gone there, uh, but they made you at least you know, for a few minutes feel like you were there. And that's kind of like what you've done for people like myself is you've enabled us to feel a little bit, to know a little bit, to understand a little bit that without an experiencer, we can't, we don't, you know, we can't, we can only read it or hear it, but you can make us feel it a little bit. And, um, and so, you know, it, I'm really, really, really really happy that you decided to come on with us and i hope that uh you'll give us another opportunity to do it again thank, thank you, so you. i will i enjoyed it namaste so for uh linda thompson and for uh debs and nathan this is dj on behalf of calling all beings saying peace out <laughs> one love we'll see you down the road and we always wonder what's up around the bend. Thank you.